I am going to challenge you a little bit today. Now, the message itself is going to be sort of lighter. It's going to be a little uh, easier to, to sort of work through. There's not a ton of information, but what I want is by the end of the time that we're together, I want you to be able to say thank you no matter what. And that's going to be tough for some of us because some of us are dealing with stuff in our lives that we wish were different, circumstances that we would change if we could. Burdens that we bear, concerns, heavy hearts, and we find it hard to say thank you. Now, we're going to be talking in just a minute about four different snapshots um, from Scripture of unlikely, unusual times that people were able to say thank you. And what we see is that they weren't thanking God for the difficulty necessarily. They were thanking God because he was God who's in control even in the middle of difficulty, the perspective was shifted, the focus was shifted, and powerful things happened. Now, I wanna to talk to you about being thankful no matter what, and Joy and I always try to disprove whatever theses that we're talking about. We kind of flip it around and we discuss it, and we were driving around one day and, and talking, and we said, is it really possible to be thankful no matter what? And we said, well, I think we're supposed to, to do that because the Bible says give thanks in all things, at all times, in all places, and that God's God no matter what. And so as we're driving, we were driving in Waterworks Park. You guys know where Waterworks Park is. For those watching online, it's in downtown Des Moines. And uh, Waterworks Park is like the only place that you can go in the middle of the city that I know of where you can sort of get out where it looks like that you're in nature, but you're not really in nature, it just looks like it. Um, which to Joy and I, we like that because we come from a place that had a lot of nature and we were able to get out in it pretty easily. So we drive down to Waterworks Park and when you go way to the back of Waterworks Park, there's this loop out there and we drive around it slow and we talk and pretend we're in the woods and stuff. So as we're driving and talking about being thankful, we see something that challenged the thesis, the premise that you could be thankful uh, at all times and all ways. Now, these are some things that you see pretty commonly strewn about the city, right? In events and construction sites and, you know, places. In my opinion, it's a bad day if you have to use one of these. Um, I would avoid this at all costs, at all times. Would prefer to go out into the woods by myself and not use one of these things from time to time it's necessary. Unfortunately, all of us have been there. As we were driving around in Waterworks Park, Joy and I saw something that made me stop the truck. I said, Joy, you've got to get out and take pictures of this because this is a time when I think somebody may have found themselves in a spot where it was impossible to be thankful. Let's just assume that you're out with your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your best friend, your significant other. And as you're driving out in this so-called, uh, well, the fake woods, you have to go to the restroom. And so the husband looks over at his wife and says, you know, Joy, I'm sorry, there's no other alternative. Here's this nice honey bucket, this portable toilet. You should go and, you know, whatever happens is fine. Let's just assume you do. It's already a bad day, hard to be thankful. Let me show you what happened to somebody who was in one of these on a time, well, I'm not 100% sure when, but I took pictures just so I could show you, impossible to be thankful when stuff like this happens. Somebody, maybe an angry spouse, decided to run into one, assuming when their spouse was seated in there doing their business, pinned it to a tree, there's crime scene tape around it, and I thought maybe circumstances 
couldn't get a whole lot worse than this. Now look at this, when we got closer and we did, and I don't know why I got closer, but we did. <laughs> Do you see there's pieces of toilet paper and blue water that splashed up in the middle of that? And I mean, can you imagine being in there? Can you imagine how mad you would be if somebody pinned you to a tree? I mean, that's like marriage ending, friendship ending, not funny anymore. I looked at all of the crime scene, you know, all the news stations. I wanted to find out who did this, what happened. I wanted to know the circumstance because something bad happened here. And I thought that if I was in there, that there would be absolutely nothing that I could find to be thankful for. Maybe you'd be thankful that you didn't die. However, me, I would probably want to die if all of that splashed. It's just disgusting. So starting there, we can move backwards and I'll still challenge you and say, short of this, I think we can find reasons and ways to be thankful. There are some things I want to start you off with real quick. These are just um, teasers. These are just some concrete thoughts for us to anchor our spirit around or on so that we can remember the reality of who God is and who we are. Okay. Some things that we can be thankful for. And then we're going to look at some unlikely times. And um, I I hope this is going to be challenging and encouraging for you. First of all, God created you. Now, some of you, again, may be dealing with things that you wish were different. Burdens that you bear, circumstances that you're facing, challenges, some emotional, some relational, some for people who you love, perhaps it's a child, a friend, circumstances you wish were different. Some bearing personal circumstances, things that that make you wonder why God, why did you create me? Why am I here? Some may be perhaps even from time to time wishing they weren't. And as we get started, I just want to ground you and remind you that God created you and he created you on purpose and for a purpose. Let's praise the name of the Lord for at his command, we were created. That you're necessary, you're intentional. God created you. Number two. Let me remind you, we can be thankful because for most of us in here, we can say that God saved us, that he saved us. He saved us from ourselves, from a life where we lived our lives for ourselves, from a life where we were focused on the things we wanted to accomplish, but not on what God wanted to accomplish from a life where we were destined to spend an eternity in separation from him in hell, but to an eternity in heaven experiencing the presence of God with all those who've gone before us, who've died as believers. God saved us. We can be thankful. Well, number three, there's another reason just to get us good and grounded here as we move into these different circumstances. God answers our prayers. Now, sometimes we get very upset about the way God answers prayer. And we say, well, I've asked God and God didn't do what I told him to do. Well, I've asked God and God didn't fix what I wanted him to fix. And sometimes God says, yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says slow, right? Because timing's an issue. And sometimes God tells us to grow a little bit because we're the issue and we need to mature. But God always answers prayer. And sometimes the very best things that he can do for us is to say no or to say wait or to give us the time and the space to grow. But the reality is that God answers prayer. Now, finally, and this is my favorite, he guides us with a purpose We have a purpose in life. For me, purpose includes two things, hope and meaning. It's the reason, it's my testimony, it's what I love to share with people. My relationship with the Lord gives me hope. It gives me meaning and significance. I know that when I get to the end of this life and I look back, 
that I can look back without regret, that I can move on to the reality of heaven to come and see and hear Jesus. Say, well done, you were good and faithful. Welcome home. So four things just to, to get us good and grounded in the truths of scripture and who God is and who we are. First of all, he created you, he loves you, you're necessary. Secondly, he saved us. If we have confessed our sin, believed who Jesus is, and pledged to follow him as Savior and Lord. Third, he answers prayer and communicates with us. And finally, he has a purpose for our life. And there's a significance that comes from that that we can't mistake or neglect. And I want to challenge you today that even if you're facing circumstances and times in life that you wish were different, that perhaps you would do anything to change, you can still find a way to be thankful. We Christians should be the most thankful people in the world. We should be the happiest with the best attitudes. As we've talked about the last several months, sometimes we slip from that. Sometimes we fade. So today, let's look again at some of these reasons, at some of these circumstances, and remind ourselves that we can be truly thankful. So let's do that together. We're going to go from the New Testament or the Old Testament to the New Testament, to the Old Testament to the New Testament, and we're just gonna be dealing with four different snapshots. Now in your notes that you find on your app, there are five snapshots. We're not gonna do the last one, so you can read that yourself if you have your notes that you've downloaded from the app. We're just gonna be talking about four, very topical today. We're gonna to be going from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the Old to the New, four unlikely times that people were able to say thank you. Now this first one I think will be applicable to you. Now. We don't talk a lot about politics here, especially from this stage, because many people have differing opinions and differing passions. Whatever side of the aisle you find yourself on, however you vote, whatever your perspective, I'm absolutely confident in the last two years, you have had a chance to step back and say, I think the government has gone crazy. Now, all of us have said that from time to time. Easy for us to blame them, right? I wanna to talk to you about this first, and I don't know why this stuck out of my mind. I think maybe because I had so many conversations with friends recently you know, about some of the things that were going on and some of the challenges, and I just was reminded about a situation or a story when Daniel found himself at a time and in a place where he was being pushed around, where in this particular time, in this particular place, there was a mandate that the government had given that had required or at least asked him to do something that was far greater than anything that we've been asked or faced with having to do. They were telling him, you can't worship God. In fact, Daniel had some friends or people he thought were friends that ended up not being friends at all. And these friends were jealous of Daniel and they said, we're going to. Now they didn't say this to Daniel, they said it behind his back because that's the way it works. They said, we're gonna try to do sort of an end around. We're gonna trap this guy, we're gonna take him down. He's too successful, he praises the, praises the Lord, people like him. And so they trick the king into, well, using his ego into making a mandate or an edict. And what he said is, you who worship any other God except me can no longer worship. You can only worship me. Now, that's a pretty egotistical thing for a king to say. And Daniel's so-called friends were happy because they thought they got him. And this mandate came down. Now, this is what Daniel did. And I think it's so weird, so unusual, so inspirational. I want to share it with you. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he'd always done. 
And what did he do? He gave thanks to God. Now, you say, well, what in the world? Was he giving thanks for the mandate? No, he wasn't giving thanks for the mandate. He was giving thanks because of who God was. At least three things that we give thanks to the Lord, even in the middle of our most difficult times. The first thing is, is that God controls all of the circumstances in life to bring about ultimately his plan. The Bible tells us that he controls the good things, that he controls the bad things, that he works the good things and the bad things together to bring about his will for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We serve a God who's ultimately in control. And that's what we have to focus on. Well, we also serve a God who knows everything. Nothing's a surprise to him. No information is outside his grasp. He doesn't have to learn. And because of that, he doesn't get caught off guard. The Bible also tells us that we serve a God who is everywhere, which means that no matter what we face, we're never alone. Now, those are three great reasons to be thankful, three great reasons to be thankful, even in the middle of something as crazy as what Daniel was experiencing or what Daniel was facing. He didn't look at the circumstances and shake his fist. He looked at God and he said, God, this looks nuts. And I know what I'm going to have to do, but I'm going to focus on you because you're God and I'm not. That stuck out in my mind. And that was the first little snapshot, the first little challenge that I want to give you. And now we're going to look at another time and we're going to move to a different passage of scripture. We're going to go to all the way to the other side of the Bible, to the New Testament. And I want to challenge you and talk to you about oh, another strange time when we find somebody being thankful. Now, this is a story from the Apostle Paul's life. The Apostle Paul um, was, as we've talked about, a great church planter, a great pastor, Begin his life not as a great missionary or pastor, but as a person who persecuted and prosecuted Christians, who killed people who didn't deserve to die, was saved in a crazy radical way, and lived his life loving and serving the world around him. Now, he had circumstances in his life that were compounding. Do you ever find yourself with storms in life? One storm we can face. That's ah, a big one. We can face it. It's got our attention. Two storms a little harder. Three storms at the same time. Have you ever found yourself having to write out the things that you need to address, the things that are weighing your heart down, the things that you're concerned about, the things you, you have to deal with because there's so many of them, it just seems impossible to even keep them straight. Well, this is a time when the apostle Paul had so many things going on in his life that it would be hard for me to even imagine how he kept them straight. You say, well, what kind of things? Well, one was he was arrested and he was heading to a trial that he didn't deserve, might lose his life, didn't know. Secondly, he had people who he loved that he had been taken away from. Third, he had churches that he'd invested in and people who he'd invested in who weren't really behaving and weren't really following God the way that he wanted and knew that they should. Fourth, he'd had best friends who turned their back on him and had felt abandoned and alone. Fifth, he was uncomfortable around people who didn't like him and weren't really that concerned about his well-being and welfare. And fifth, we find him in the middle of a physical storm that threatens the lives of him and everybody else who's in the ship. And the Bible is so specific and powerful when it tells this story, and you can read it in your notes and also in the Bible in Acts 27. Before the ship sailed, the apostle Paul, Paul, 
told the captain, don't sail, it's the wrong time of year. And the captain's like, you don't tell me what to do. You're a preacher, not a sailor. So they sailed and sure enough, the storm came. And the Bible says the storm was so severe that it was gonna break the ship up and the sailors were freaking out. You had sailors, you had soldiers, you had prisoners on this boat. And the sailors were smart and they're like, look, we're jumping ship, literally. We're gonna get off the ship, let the soldiers and the prisoners, let them die, whatever. And the soldiers knew it and Paul knew it. So here's a long story short. Paul, one of the prisoners, he says, we need to make sure that nobody gets off the ship because the only way we survive is if we all stay together. So the soldiers cut the lifeboats, sent the lifeboats out into the sea and Paul gathered everybody around. Now keep in mind the wind and the waves, rain coming down, everyone expecting any of these moments to be their last. And he says, guys, what we need to do is we need to eat. Now that's a great thing to do, right? Uh, some of you are just like that, right? Maybe the gift of hospitality. My mother-in-law is like that. I love her. I mean, the world could be coming to an end. You could say an asteroid's hitting the earth and it's gonna hit tomorrow morning. She'd be making sandwiches to make sure everybody's full while we blow up. That's kind of, you know, Paul's like, look, we should eat. We should eat. Relax. Come over here, eat. He got them all seated. Now keep in mind, all of these different things in his life different reasons for him to be upset, different reasons for him to question God. And what did he do? He took some bread and right in the middle of the storm, gave thanks to God before them. And he broke off a piece and he ate. Why was he thankful? Well, he wasn't really thankful that he was stuck in the middle of a storm around a bunch of people who wanted him dead missing his friends, kind of a hole in his heart. He was thankful because he served a God who created him, who saved him, who answers prayer and who had a purpose. He's thankful because he served a God who controlled all of the circumstances in life, the good things and the bad things to bring about his perfect plan. He's thankful because he served a God who knew everything, who was everywhere. And even in the middle of life's worst moments, he found himself okay. So what are you facing? If you focus on the reality of who God is, you can find a reason to be thankful. Now, you may say, as I would, I get it. Sometimes storms come. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes I find myself in the middle of something I don't want to be in. But what if we bring it on ourselves? How many of you, uh, all of us, right, have done things in life where we have just brought it on ourselves? Where anybody who looked at our lives would go, you deserve it. You're getting what you deserve. So just deal with the consequences, right? What happens then? How are you thankful in times like that? Well, I was thinking over these last few weeks about a guy named Jonah. Remember the story of Jonah? If you're not a churchy like I am, I'll tell you enough about the story where you can grasp it, but you need to read this yourself. It's just a few short chapters. It's a book that's called Jonah in the Old Testament. This particular part of the story comes from Jonah too, but God came to Jonah and God said to Jonah, I got something for you to do. Jonah said, no. Have you ever told God no? I mean, I would suggest that most of the 
worst things that have ever happened to us in life, particularly those things we brought on ourselves, involve times when we've known what we should do and have said no. So this is the way it starts off. We're like, oh man. God said, Jonah, I want you to go. I've got a purpose for your life. I want you to share some good news with some people. I know you hate them, but I don't. And Jonah's like, uh-uh, not gonna do it. So if you're like me, you're like, okay, this guy's gonna get what he, what he has coming to him. So then what's he do? Well, it's not enough for him to tell God, no, he runs from God. As a matter of fact, God wanted him to go to a city that was in one direction on the map and he goes to a ship port and gets on a boat and goes as far or tries to away from where God wanted him to go. And he was going to run. Close his ears, close his eyes. No, not me, God. Have you ever run from God? Have you ever known that it was time to sit down and have a one-on-one? To say, yes, God, I know you're right. Perhaps to confess some sin, perhaps harboring an attitude, maybe an action, maybe a thoughts, displeasing to the Lord. But instead of doing it, we just keep running, trying to stay one step ahead. So we're looking at his life and we're like, look, he's got it coming. He's saying no to God. He's running from God. He's going to get what he deserves. So then we find him in the middle of another storm. He brought it on himself, but there were people, soldiers, sailors, excuse me, who were caught up in it. And finally, as the story goes, the Jonah said, look, throw me overboard. It's me that God's mad at, not you. If you throw me overboard, everything's going to be okay. So the story continues and Jonah's overboard. And the Bible says that he goes down, 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 down into the depths of the ocean. Have you ever felt like that? Or because of your own choices, perhaps running from God, You feel that sinking, like your life is over, like there is no hope, like time's run out. And then the Bible says that God provided a fish. What kind of fish? A great fish, a big fish that swallowed Jonah up. You probably know the story by now. Jonah finds himself in the middle of the belly of a whale with some time to think. Perhaps this morning's your time to think. And this is what he does. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. And he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, even the trouble he brought on himself. And God answered him. And Jonah says, I'll offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, or I'll tell you thank you. I'll fulfill my vows. I'll do what you told me to, for my salvation comes from the Lord. God rescued Jonah, even when he brought it on himself. And Jonah recognized that God's a rescuer. And he said, thank you. Now pay attention. This is a foreshadowing of where we're going to end up today. He paid attention when he thought he was going to spend the rest of his days in the belly of a fish, which would be an unpleasant way to die. He said, thank you, because he had come to grips with who God is. May I remind you, a God who created us, a God who saved us, 
a God who answers prayer and a God who has a purpose for your life. A God who is all powerful, working the good things and the bad things together for good for those who love him. A God who knows everything and is everywhere. A God who even in the middle of the worst circumstances, we can tell, thank you. Now, let's keep moving. There's even more. There's another time that we find an unusual circumstance. An unusual circumstance here because, and I like this because we're going sort of back to uh, an example or back to a time when we see Jesus saying thank you. Now, Jesus was very thankful and thanked God the Father all the time. And when Jesus does something, man, we, we pay attention because after all, we want to live as much as we can like Jesus And Jesus demonstrated and modeled thanksgiving, even though he himself went through circumstances that nobody should have to face, especially somebody who didn't deserve it. And this story takes place in Matthew chapter 14. And this story is one of the miracles that we study in the Bible. It's a a time when Jesus decided he was going to feed a whole bunch of people. The Bible gives some numbers, and we know that the numbers, they usually just counted men, and there were a whole bunch more women and children. So let's just say thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And the problem was that when they decided they were going to feed all of these people, they didn't have that much food. If you're, again, familiar with church, if you've been around a while, You might know the story. Jesus started off with five loaves and two fish. Now that's a problem for most people, but God had a miracle in mind. But I want you to pay attention to the timing of Jesus giving thanks. Jesus took into his hands five loaves and two fish and looked up into heaven and gave thanks. Then he broke the bread. And then the Bible tells us, you can read it here in your notes or you can read it in the Bible from Matthew 14, that as they passed out the bread and the fish, that it continued to multiply to where everyone ate And there was enough left over for them to make even another important spiritual point. And at first I missed the significance of this. And then I realized that Jesus didn't wait until after the miracle and say thanks. He was showing us that we say thanks as we wait on God to do what God promises that he's gonna do. That speaks to me. That really communicates to me. Because somewhere in these four snapshots, maybe you find yourself. And I want more than anything that after we've spent four weeks together talking about being thankful, after we've talked about being the most thankful people of anyone because we serve a God who deserves our thanks, that we can truly find ourselves saying thank you. I wonder what you're dealing with. I know many of you, I know some of the challenges you face. Wish I knew every single one of you and all of the challenges that you face. But I know it's tough and sometimes it feels overwhelming. 
Sometimes it feels like there's no way to dig ourselves out. Sometimes it seems there's too much to keep track of. And I want to suggest to you from my heart, based on the timeless truths in scripture, that there's no better time to say thank you because the praise that we offer to God in the most painful times and parts of our life is the praise that means the most. And then we watch him do what God does. He hasn't forgotten you. Time has not run out and hope is not lost. I wanna remind you for the last time this morning as we close, you and I serve a God who created you. When you look in the mirror, you're looking at a person who has been created intentionally, who God designed on purpose. You're needed and necessary. You're valuable. Sure, miles down the road, a lot of water under the bridge, a few scars, a little wiser, a little smarter, no different in God's eyes. Second, if you've chosen to receive him as your savior and your Lord, he saved you. Man, born destined to spend an eternity in separation from God, saved to the reality of an eternity spent in heaven with him, saved from sin, saved from self, saved from eternal suffering, saved to a new life. We serve a God who answers prayer. I want to challenge you that if you're praying a prayer that God has not yet answered, say thank you. Because he knows everything. We don't know. He controls everything. We don't control it. He's with you and he gets it. And finally, you have a purpose. Meaninglessness is not part of our Christian worldview. God saved you with a purpose. What is it? Where do you get your hope? How do you define your meaning? I wanna pray for you. And I want us to be able to genuinely, with all of our hearts, say to God, thank you. Because next week, we turn the corner and we start a whole new emphasis. Christmas, celebrating the birth of our risen Savior. Father, I thank you for my friends.